This is Level Up, a Mother Honestly podcast powered by Indeed. The last two years have been about mothers taking a step back to support our families as we navigate the post-pandemic future of women at work. We are back, ready to level up personally and professionally. We host real and honest conversations with global leaders in parenting, business, work, and life, providing step-by-step solutions for your next level. I am your host, Blessing Adeshion, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly, a chemical engineer, energy, supply chain, and operational excellence leader, and a mother of four. You will also hear from my friend and co-host, Andrea Molan, founder and CEO of Victory Public Relations and mother to two boys. We are here to level up with Indeed. Hi, Blessing. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Andrea? I'm well, thank you. I'm excited to be chatting for episode three, which is a really exciting one. Um, it's our out of office episode. So we're talking about some of the the behind the scenes things that keep our wheels turning. Um, and there was a lot of, there was a lot, there are a lot of great things to chat about right now. So I'm sure you've heard Melanie Linsky from a show called Yellow Jackets, which I'm not familiar with. She, during her critics choice speech, she thanked her nanny. Did you hear about that? I saw that. Well, yes. We actually reposted it. You posted it. Yeah, sorry. We posted it on Instagram and I was literally like wowed, right? Because I have four kids and I also have, you know, a nanny and I've always had a nanny. And I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of women, especially successful women that have, you know, support and not sharing enough um, about the support system that they do have. And we see them and we think that they must be better than us because they are doing it all and we are failing right? Because we can't possibly do it all. And yeah. I think that was really what stood out to me the most in the sense that Melanie took the time to say, look, this isn't, isn't just my victory. This is, this one belongs to my nanny as well, who has, you know, been the support system for me. And she's the reason why my son, why I can do this. And yeah. um, having four kids for me personally has really um, helped me understand that I do need a support system and I do need to, um, you know, also appreciate that support system. So a lot of times, especially when we look at caregivers um, in the United States and even around the world, they don't get a lot of credit, right? We mm-hmm. we still pay babysitters, you know, chump change in, in some parts of the world or even here in the United States. And I think we need to start talking about, you know, how do we appreciate um the time, right? The, the yeah. labor of women that are taking care of our kids. I agree with all of that. And um, it's something that we've talked about a lot, but an alternate view is that we do hear people, prominent people talking about their caregivers at home, you know, every so often and they pop up and they go viral inevitably. And I can't help but wonder, you know, why do we so quickly forget? Like, why do we forget that? And I have, uh, you know, Again, we've talked about this a lot. I have a nanny that I rely on 
for everything from driving my kids around, you know, filling in the gaps if my husband and I are working late or working early, um, making sure that we have all of our groceries, getting the kids, making sure that we have everything that we need basically to sort of get the kids where they need to be and and are prepared as they need to be. But I still am always so excited when someone who has prominence almost like cops to the fact that they also rely on someone at home so that they can go and do the work that they are doing, um, you know, in this case at a really high level. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's it's important, right? This is a, a a direct. What I actually love about this one is that it's a direct contrast to what we heard from Kim Kardashian, um, <laughs> you know, who basically said that we should be getting off our asses and working, um, and she's not acknowledging, right, the fact that she has help. A lot of people, a lot of women, you know, don't have help. They are, yeah. you know, doing drop-offs and pick-up and cleaning and cooking. And we know that Kim K has all the help that she can get, right? And she's not acknowledging the fact that, you know, she has almost unlimited time um, to pursue our own goals, our dreams and ambition, um, while other women don't. So if, you know, it would have been much better for her to say, I am able to do all of these things because I have support. And so if, you know... If there's yeah. any way for you to access support as a mother, as a parent, please do that because, you know, you need to give yourself the permission to, yeah. to accept help, to ask for help, to yeah. outsource if you need. And it doesn't make you any less of the lead mother or the present mother that you want to be Absolutely. by doing so. Absolutely. So I, I really love our theme, right, around out of office because it's really out of office, um, yeah. which is which means, you know, get, you know, get support, get help, and, you know, use that out-of-office time to spend time with your family and, yep. you know, receive all the awards and, and the accolades and, you know, have yeah. fun. Um, so, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And you, you yeah. started. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I also, another thing that I read um, or that I happened upon last week that was really interesting to me was Jamila Jamil's quote on Instagram about imposter syndrome, which I think dovetails well with the conversation that we're having because especially now when we don't you know everyone has some sort of disruptions to their child care despite you know even myself i mentioned i have a full-time nanny we still find that there are hurdles to overcome and disruptions and um things that sort of throw a wrench into my schedule um and my routine um and i think the idea like this idea of imposter syndrome is one that we should mention because when you are moving a hundred miles an hour and you feel like you're not on steady ground, it is much easier, I think, to let your mind go in that direction. And, you know, we've heard that women suffer imposter syndrome more frequently than men. And, um, you know, in my own experience, when I'm aware of the fact that I am experience imposter syndrome, even that realization is kind of striking to me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm surprised by it, but it's lather, rinse, repeat. So it comes up again and again. And as we, you know, one of the things that I've loved talking with you about is Eve Rodsky's new podcast. And um, Eve and her co-host Aditi discuss the idea that women too rarely are afforded these long stretches of uninterrupted time to dedicate their focus on their work or their hobbies or whatever it is that they're working on at that time 
and we glorify that idea as multitasking. You know, we we glorify the idea of multitasking. Um, and I know it's something that I'm always doing and it got me thinking, blessing, how often are you only doing or even thinking about one thing? And I should note that even as we record this, Both. you are pumping. Are you, okay, <laughs> yes. So my guess is not often. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, when we when we talk about doing one thing at a time, I think that a lot of women, when I speak to them, they're like, you know what, I'm a multitasker. And I think we tell ourselves these things because we think it's a badge of honor. We think that we're supposed to be, you know, cooking and cleaning at the same time and changing diapers and then walking at the same time. And and I think that, you know, it's, it's okay, right? Like, it's okay if you can try to like do two things at the same time. So for example, I'm pumping right now. Um, but I have also, you know, I can, I can speak. I'm not like, I'm using my, you know, my pump and I can also chat. Um, and, and I think that, you know, when we look at why women multitask, it's because there simply isn't enough time in the day to get everything done. Um, and I always actually laugh, um, you know, going back to the theme of the nanny and help and everything. I actually always laugh because I actually believe that the work in the home is too much for two people. Because what is happening is that we are all working around the clock um, and, you know, the time that we have left, we want to spend it with our kids. And and so that's where this idea of multitasking comes along. And I'm, I don't play into that narrative. Um, I try to focus on my job or my task or whatever it is that I am doing. Obviously, if I can weave in, you know, pumping, which doesn't really require my hands and I can just forget about it. Um, I, I try to do that as well. But I think in general, I would say that it really helps to focus on the task at hand. Research has shown that we can't actually multitask, right? And we yeah. can't, like our brain can't do two things at the same time. So we need to be cognizant of that because society, I think, you know, a lot of women think it's a great thing that they can multitask. And I think we need to like, you know, take that yeah. off, our, off our thinking and just focus on the fact that we need to um, focus, focus on ourselves, focus yep. on the tasks that we're currently doing. Yep. That's, and that's a great, um, you know, as you had begun talking, you know, you had started to mention that on today's podcast, we have um, Mary Beth Ferrante, who is a friend of both of ours. And she has, she had that um, link or I'm sorry, that post on LinkedIn go viral where she put up an out of office to, and she talks about it more in the podcast, so I in the, the conversation, so I won't give away too much, but um, most of the people listening probably did see this and it really gives credence to this idea that, you know, it's okay to say, you know, I need to focus on this one thing right now, but that doesn't mean I'm completely offline. I just am letting you know what I have going on behind the scenes and I will get back to you and it's all going to be, I can manage it, but I need to manage it my way. Absolutely. I think we are all walking from, a lot of us are walking from home now and, you know, we now live in a society where you send an email and you want a response right away, right? Like mm -hmm. why, why do you need a response right away? Um, so it's now forcing a lot of us like Mirabet, to basically have you know, an out of office re response to say, maybe I'm out of office or two, this email will not be, you won't get a response immediately. And I'm going to tell you why I have kids. I have my personal life. Oh, I am taking a break right now. 
I can't come to my laptop. I can't come to my phone. And this is this is something that I have always talked about, which is the the, the we now have this thin line separating work and life. Yep. And if we are going to survive this, if we are going to really flourish personally and professionally, we need to really put some um, barriers between work and life. We can't continue to you know expect a lot of the things that were pre-pandemic, which, you know, we, a lot of people would, you know, drive to the office and by the time you get home, you can put your laptop away. So when you're in the office, you sort of get your responses immediately, right? But now we're working from home. So there could be a kid that is sick. There could be, you know, um, something that you need to attend to personally because work is now asynchronous for a lot of people. So we need to be cognizant of that. And that's what Mary was, you know, attesting yes. to which is, you know, don't expect responses um, right away because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and she makes a really great point that a lot of, especially large corporations already have, are equipped to deal with this because they have global presences that require teams from different time zones and countries absolutely, to absolutely. collaborate together. So they yeah. already have the tools. We just need, they need to apply them in um this new way in order to accommodate their working parents absolutely who, i mean um, even you know need it yeah absolutely i mean even with mother honestly we have distributed teams yep. we have teams in australia in the uk in nigeria in the us and so i don't expect responses right away i i don't expect you know um that my employees will be always available because quite frankly, when I was, you know, in corporate America, that was something my manager told me, which is that you need to be always available. And my answer was no. Yeah. You know, well, so you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a, you've talked about that before. And I, that's something that I think back to a lot. It's also um, hard for me to say no when people ask for things that are, you know, I just know not in sync with what is going to work for my schedule. Of course. And what's realistic. So Absolutely. that's, I think you're a great example for that. And I'm, I'm getting better at it. I'm learning. The other thing is that, you know, I feel really grateful that I get invited to do all, you know, the work that we have or anything, you know, um, that is even beyond my work that I'm asked to contribute to. I always feel really flattered when they do that, when I receive those requests and inevitably I find that I overcommit. And so I'm, it's causing stress when it perhaps shouldn't. So that's, I guess, yet a different that's, conversation. That's my problem here, Mother. Honestly, it's, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we can absolutely collaborate. Absolutely. Send that email, send me the headshots. You know, I'm going to be on your podcast. And then it's really <laughs> yeah. time for the podcast. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm actually, you know, in another meeting or I'm yeah. actually, you know, taking my kids out. Um, yeah. So I think we just, everyone, honestly, Andrea, we all need to practice grace. I think that's really the bottom line is practicing grace. It's something that I am forcing myself to do. And that is because you just don't know what's happening on the other side. A lot of times, you know, we're on Instagram, we're looking at Twitter, we're looking at LinkedIn. We think that these people are available, that they can, you know, widen or responding to us. Or we think that, you know, my goodness, I mean, why if she's on vacation and she only has one kid, she should be able to respond to me, right? Because obviously she has a phone. So there's a lot of um, assumptions out there, mm -hmm. whether it's at home or in the workplace. And I think if we can all just practice grace to say, you know what? 
everybody is living their life. Everybody's doing their best. And if they can't get to me right now, that's okay. You know, they will get to me next yeah. week or they will get to me whenever they have committed to getting to me. So don't expect fast responses from me, Andrea. I think you already know that. <laughs> well, I have to stalk you sometimes and vice versa. It's so, but I appreciate that blessing. Um, should we introduce Mary Beth? Absolutely. All right. Awesome. So Mary Beth is the founder and managing director of Work360. That's WRK360. She is a mom of two and an advocate for creating inclusive workplaces for parents. Work360 is a platform designed to create workplace cultures that promote flexible work, empathetic leadership, and that help dismantle parental bias. As a former SVP in the finance industry, she has always valued growing her career. And like so many other career-driven women, she was surprised when she hit the maternal wall. Her own experience propelled her to dive deeper into maternal bias, to influence change to workplace culture, and to advocate for paid national leave policy. Mary Beth has been featured in Forbes today, CNBC, Working Mother, Fairy God Boss, and more. And we are so grateful that she joined us today. I want to pause here and talk about our partner, Indeed. The last few years have forced women to rethink the role that work plays in their lives. In fact, flexibility has become a major priority for women going back to work. As a mother of four, I understand how important it is to have flexibility in your job. As much as I would love for things to always go according to plan, life with kids is unpredictable Indeed can help mamas like you find a company that is empathetic and understanding of your needs. Because it's not just about finding a place to work, it's about finding a job that works for you. With Indeed, you can find a job that has the flexibility to fit your life, not the other way around. Not to mention, with Indeed's Work Happiness Report, you can make sure a company scores well on the things that matters most to you like compensation, inclusion, and flexibility. Visit indeed.com slash better work to learn more about how Indeed is committed to helping women find better work. Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to start with my favorite question. How does it all work for you? So how do you manage the working parent dynamic and um, childcare, the household, all of it. Yes, I'm married, a part of a dual career couple and have two young girls. So I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So starting to be in a little bit of having the kids be slightly more independent, but definitely not quite out of the woods yet uh, with having to make sure that we always have care and we always have that support that we need. Yeah. So it has been kind of a wild ride, as I'm sure many of us have experienced throughout the last couple of years. And when my girls were little, we did have a full-time nanny. And that was the only way that we were able to really make it work. My husband and I both often travel when there's not a pandemic raging around us, right? So we can, you know, be traveling or have late nights. And so having that flexibility of yeah. a nanny was really important. Now that my girls are a little bit older, you know, they are both in school full time. And my little one even stays till like 3.30 for preschool. Um, but we do have aftercare. So we created 
created this year a pod with our neighbors and uh, we're at our house three days a week and at our neighbor's house two days a week with a wonderful babysitter, nanny, or actually our former nanny stayed on to do aftercare, which has been awesome. But it's pure chaos because I'm working from home and now have like a daycare in my house three times a week uh, for a few hours. So it's definitely loud. And my office is also in the center of our house. So you will often have kids kind of running back and forth, trying to go get snacks or something from the kitchen. So it's not perfect, but we're making it work. And I'm excited for next year when they both go to the same school and they can both participate in the aftercare program at school. Awesome. It sounds like something that a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to. I feel like this is, there's always, there's some degree of chaos in every household. Absolutely. Yeah, we can't get around it, right? So Mary Beth, tell us what is going on at Work360. In your work, you encounter, you know, are you encountering anything that gives you reason for optimism? And what are the challenges to your mission that you're most focused on helping working parents overcome? Thank you for that question. I think optimism is such an important piece of this. And we have to keep that level of optimism to stay motivated in this work and kind of moving forward. You know, there's a lot of things that came out of the last couple of years that were just bad news, right? Bad headlines. We know working moms, we know working families overall are struggling so much. But I think the thing that gets me to be excited is that there are more and more people every day who are joining this fight and who are working to change the conversation around working families, who are working to find better solutions, whether that's through policy and changes at the federal level, whether that's around affordable care or whether it's around things like we're doing at Work360, which is really partnering with organizations to help them kind of redefine what care means in the workplace and to really acknowledge that we need to center care in different ways. And it's so beneficial for working parents, but by the way, it's also beneficial for all of us because we need to be able to take care of ourselves. We need to be able to take care of our families and our communities. And so we're really working with organizations to kind of change that conversation and to help them create policies, especially as we go into this kind of next phase of work with hybrid and more remote of how do we set boundaries? How do you empower conversations? How do you train managers to kind of work with their employees in a totally different way than, you know, the brick and mortar nine to five, which was never nine to five, but eight to six or seven, where everybody's in the same room. So I think that's been The exciting thing is there is a desire for that conversation. I think there's an expectation. And quite frankly, I think the talent market has demanded it because you can find another job and you can go elsewhere right now. And so we're in a really exciting place as we kind of go into this next phase. I agree with that completely. Are you able to share anything specific that you guys at Work360 are hoping companies will begin to think about when they have these, you know, when they have these conversations with you, I would imagine. And certainly I understand the need to protect, you know, revenue and productivity and all of these things that often seem or are positioned at odds with the conversation about a flexible, accommodating workplace for parents. So how do you frame that conversation so that 
you know, both it doesn't seem like a scary thing for businesses, but also so that our listeners who maybe are hoping to have these conversations within their own workplace, how they can broach it most effectively. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things is that a lot of the companies we work with already are global or at least have multiple locations. And so they're already working in a remote way because they are partnering with colleagues and with clients and with vendors in other locations, in other time zones, in other parts of the world. And so I always start with, you are already doing this. This isn't actually a complete change. It's a shift and it's about making it more accessible for everyone to have that flexibility. And I think the challenge is that we are in this kind of always on culture and with a global organization or with a play, you know, an organization with multiple locations, there is also this expectation that like you might have those early meetings or you might have those late meetings. And that does often collide with family obligations. But where can you find that nuance and flexibility and how can you kind of create the boundaries that work for you and for your team? So I really like to work you know, with individuals, but especially if you're leading a people team, if you have people underneath you, is to have open and honest conversations about like, what are the boundaries that you have? How can you model them for your employees? How can you also raise awareness? And how can you make sure that you're communicating to your entire team in an asynchronous way so that everybody gets the update, everybody gets the information, and that you're pulling people together live for collaboration and creativity and for brainstorming and for really important things. Celebration too is a great way. But that, you know, just having that kind of normal stand-up meeting for 10 minutes, like you can also do that in an asynchronous way that is going to enable everyone to feel included and to be productive as well. So I think it's a little bit about just recognizing that we're creating this shift and not this like massive change because we've already been doing it and how we can really leverage it for productivity and also really look at like what that ideal worker is, right? Is the ideal worker someone who is always available 24 seven? Or is it someone who takes breaks, is rested, recharges, it comes back into your workplace with ingenuity and excitement and productivity in a different way. And so I think the more that we can have those conversations, the better. I love that. I think that you hit it on the head when you mentioned the excitement and the energy and the ingenuity that is needed to sort of help us transition into this next phase of what work life looks like, for sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So you recently had a LinkedIn post go viral that featured what you, I think you termed it a full-time out of office message, and it detailed the challenges that you faced as a working mom during what was the most recent wave of the COVID pandemic, the Omicron variant. That resonated so well with me because I know that, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, I'm like every working parent, I would guess, where, you know, we really just were trying to get everything done during this time when it was impossible to do, to have a day without disruption, frankly. Is that still up? And how did it work for you in practice? Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So I, I uh, so what happened was honestly, you know, we were kind of in the middle of Omicron. My youngest had finally gone back to school. Day one, she's in school. Yeah. Noon comes around and we get a phone call or I get a phone call that she has a runny nose and needs to come home. And I was like, we finally got you both to school and you have to come home within three hours. Like this is insane. And it's so it just I was so frustrated in the moment that I typed out this kind of long out of office that just was like, this is what's happening. This is my life. Like, I cannot get back to you. And by the way, it's not just me. And I, and this is obviously because of the work that I do. But I then created a second paragraph that said, this is also happening to many, many people around your team and probably to you too. So like, be empathetic, be um, kind to yourself. Like, it's okay that we have to prioritize different things on different days based on these disruptions. And I had the forethought to put it on LinkedIn because I was like, Ugh, I just feel like this is something that is going to resonate with other people and might be helpful. And that's where it really kind of took off. Um, I think the most incredible thing is that it was shared with me that someone, uh, a rabbi actually on the other side of the country shared it in her sermon, which I thought was so cool that they kind of had this incredible reach across you know many different channels. And I think that the reality of it is that it doesn't necessarily have to be an out of office, but it's just about kind of stating those boundaries again out loud. So, you know, we're seeing more and more of this in like your email signature. That's things like my working hours may not be your working hours. Like, please don't feel like you need to respond to this message immediately. Please, you know, respond when it's appropriate for you. I think using tools like delay send. So if you are the person who can be really productive late at night or maybe really early in the morning, you know, using that feature so that your teammates or your clients don't feel like they have to be uber responsive. And I think that at the end of the day, it's really just realizing that productivity actually is not necessarily tied to response time. And if we turn off our emails and are actually focused and being able to be really in tune to the projects that we're working on, we're going to go further and be more productive than just being in this always hyper responsive mode. So I think that's what really resonated was like the reality of that and also just the honesty of, hey, yes, I'm a mom and things are crazy right now and we're still in this and I need your empathy and your understanding and your grace. The the tone or the thing that really resonated with me was how unapologetic it was, but very, un, you know, um, if, if it could be said that a, a out of office is like generous, truly that was. And I think that I, I'm sure I'm not alone in this feeling that, you know, removing that layer of secrecy that you have to pretend that you're not managing all of these challenges is such a freeing experience for a working mom. And it, renders her so much more productive and creative in the work that she has to do because she's now alleviated herself from that burden, relieved herself of that burden. So if there is some advice that you can give to other working mothers and even working fathers who perhaps want to be a little bit, you know, who need to remind the people that they're working with that they have this going on still and that they're doing their work and, you know, they're happy to be part of the correspondence or whatever, how can you, what can you offer them so that they can take their own stab at having this conversation? 
I think the number one thing is to simply parent out loud, to just talk about it. You totally hit it with like, we've been in this world of secrecy. And, you know, I think that's also why progress has been slow over the last few decades, um, is we've kind of been in this secret world of not sharing our personal lives with our professional lives. When in reality, they always impacted each other, no matter what. They did even 50 years ago, 60 years ago, right? So being more open and honest, I think the the silver lining of COVID was that you saw the kids in the background of a Zoom call, or you heard crying babies, or you yep. you know got that call from your employee kind of you know sharing what was going on yep. personally because you had to. And so I think it's just gets back to that idea of bringing your whole self to work and being your authentic self. And that can only happen if you're transparent and sharing all of those things that are important to you to the level that you feel, you know, appropriate and you feel comfortable with, of course. But I think being a parent out loud, modeling that behavior, sharing with people, it gives them permission to share as well. And even if they're not a working parent, they might have something else going on. They might be caring for, you know, an elderly parent, or they might be caring for themselves. And if you are open about your own time, they feel more open with theirs. Yes. And something that we talk about, you know, certainly at Mother Honestly, and myself as a working mom, we want to keep everything very focused on the working mom. But I can't help but, you know, think about the fact that any individual who doesn't want to have to pretend that they have no life or personality or interests or pursuits beyond work will benefit from this. And the I think the freedom that that allows people to then, you know, really perform well at work is something that we haven't talked about this way either. So I think to your point about how it benefits everybody, it's in everyone's best interest, truly. You know, one of the things that I've also seen come out of this um, is a sense of creating community. And it's one of the things that we are doing at Work360 with uh, the companies that we partner with is to really create community for working parents so that they can feel supported and have that kind of peer support and professional support, but also camaraderie that they're not alone. I think working parenthood often feels, especially working motherhood in in those early years, feel really isolating, feel like you're in it by yourself. Um, Yes, you might be connecting with other people in social centers, like stratospheres, but it's hard in your life day to day. And so I think one of the things that we're really trying to break down is that sense of isolation and to create some kind of belonging and community for working parents within their organizations. Yep. And I should just say that I'm, as we discussed before we started recording, I am home. My kids are in the other room. I hear them, you know, and I apologize because I I can't help but be just slightly mindful of what's going on there. And it is, I've been going to the office now to my, my office for a number Mm -hmm. of weeks consistently. And it's now that I'm out of practice of being home with them, it is a little bit, it's challenging to Mm -hmm. focus on what we're doing while I'm also making sure that, you know, I have one ear open for the kids. So it's, you know, it's something that we still contend with for sure. Absolutely. Truly. Totally agree. You mentioned the idea that some of these, we touched, you touched on briefly that these issues existed before the pandemic. And you started your business before the pandemic. How 
has the experience that you've, what you've experienced impacted your view of, you know, childcare and the role that your workplace plays in childcare and the mission and trajectory of Work360, I can't imagine that it hasn't impacted that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely impacted it. I think it's been kind of an incredible ride. You know, I would say that before the pandemic, one of the biggest challenges was getting people to pay attention and to really recognize that these challenges existed and that it wasn't just on the individual to solve them. I think we have, especially in the U.S., but other places too, the U.K., Australia, you know, other places in EMEA, um, really do kind of put it on the shoulders of the individual family to figure out how they are going to integrate work and care. And I think what the pandemic did is really showed a bright light on the fact that this is not an individual problem. This is bigger. This is something that we need to be looking at more systemically and looking for bigger solutions. So we need federal paid leave. We need paid sick time. We need, right, like more affordable childcare, all of those things. Companies have a place in that. Right. It's it's yes, it's who we vote for and who we, you know, kind of make our phone calls to to our senators and our representatives, all of that matters. But it's also who we work for because they have so much influence. And so I think the more that we're bringing those conversations to our employers, the more they're also asking for solutions. You know, we've seen small and mid-sized businesses get really invested in these conversations at a national level to say we support you know, creating a better environment for our working families because we want our employees to be productive and to be focused on their work. So I think it's just really heightened the conversation. I think the other thing that we've seen has been a shift in just openness to trying new solutions and to also listening to employees in a different way. There are so many listening tools out there, right? There's like survey after survey after survey, but to really want to know, okay, beyond just the results of the survey, what does that actually mean in practice? And what are the real challenges facing our employees? And okay, yes, yeah. 98% of them want to go hybrid or some close to that number. Um, but what does that actually mean? And why is it important to them? And so I think we're seeing employers be more open to understanding the why behind a lot of these conversations and wanting to be more creative in finding solutions. Awesome. It is one of the first conversations that you and I had was around that idea. And I do remember here, you know, that was frankly the first time someone had stated, had positioned it that way, that it is an issue. It's a, it's a full workplace issue, the way that we care for our children. And at the time, I don't know if you recall this, but I had two very young kids and was just kind of trying to appear as though I didn't, trying operating as though I didn't, truly. So when you pointed that out to me, it was a, it was a huge eye-opener. And I was somebody who was very vocal about the fact that I was a working mother. And so even within my own you know, orbit, it was yeah. shocking, this concept that you're workplace should play some role in at least making that process a, um, you know, supporting you through that process of, of right. finding childcare, I should say. So yeah, awesome. absolutely. Whether that's helping you find or, or get placed with childcare, I think it's even just 
at the simplest form, creating a policy of empathy within your workplace and allowing for flexibility when those disruptions occur, because they always occur. And it's not just providing parental leave at the beginning of parenthood, but it's being flexible and open to a lot of shifts and changes in your career trajectory based on what's going on in your family and being, I think, um, giving managers the tools to have those conversations with everything that has changed. And I think you, you mentioned the silver lining of the pandemic, which I think is, you know, I, I think that will resonate with a lot of people as it as well. And it does with me. Are you seeing a, you know, are, are people having these conversations more easily? Are your clients sort of, do they come to these conversations with that understanding or are there still people who kind of have the experience that I had on either side of the equation and are just not thinking about it in the way that you described? For every every conversation that's happening, there's probably 10 that aren't. And, sure. you know, I think too many organizations are also dealing with, I want to say it's like empathy fatigue, right? We've been so understanding. I think employers have been forced to shift and make yeah. changes throughout the last two years and to consistently have to do and stretch in ways that they never expected to have to do. Right. So I do think that there is a little bit of empathy fatigue happening and um, managers and employers and senior leadership are feeling a little done. I think we're all feeling a little done. The problem is it's not done and it's never done and it wasn't done before. Right. This existed. It's just been exasperated by the pandemic. So what I challenge employers to do is to really continue to find that empathy and to continue to just think about how they can create policies that are going to support their employees for the long term, because whether it's COVID or something else, there are going to be constantly situations that arise that are going to cause us to need to adapt and to be flexible and to change the way that we operate or the systems around us. So I think really focusing on how you can create a culture of honesty, communication, and transparency is almost more important than any leave policy or any time off that you're giving employees. That's awesome, Mary Beth. I think that you articulated that so well, and I thank you so much for helping us, you know, for having this conversation and certainly for the work that you're doing to continue to make these Um, conversations within the workplace and the culture surrounding parenthood in the workplace, a more, just an easier conversation to have and an easier culture in which for, for parents to operate, for working parents to work and do what we want to do, which is our little, our own version of having it all. Absolutely. Let's dive into the lightning round. So this is an opportunity to sort of share a little, to get to know Mary Beth a little bit better. Um, And if you don't mind, we'll just sort of top of mind, whatever you come up with, just lay it on us. So what was the last thing you read, watched, or listened to that you cannot stop thinking about? So I have the privilege of doing um, some great work with Eve Rodsky and the team at Hello Sunshine and Fair Play. And Eve just came out with her second book, uh, Unicorn Space, which I devoured both personally and of course, professionally. But I think what is so important about that book is that it 
asks us all to be creative and to find our own space for what we want that's important to us and to be curious about our own um, about who we are and who we want to be and that we can go beyond these roles as a parent, a partner, a professional, and that we have our own um, our own things that we can be excited about and you know kind of be out in the world doing. So I'm just really excited. I think that that book has pushed me to be curious about my own life and my own desires and what I want to do in the world and what I want to demonstrate to my children as well. So I think that's been such a huge gift and um, really ties into a lot of the work that we do, both at Work360 and with, with Fair Play and that team is to really just create space for people to be able to go after their creative endeavors and to pursue a life that they are interested in and that they want to be interesting about. So it's, it was a really, I, I highly recommend everyone. And, you know, I think it's a really great way to just start to explore your own identity. I love that. And I, you know, Blessing is a big fan of Eve Brodsky's and um, she has been sharing with me some information and, you know, just encouraging me to read the books and I am, I've already ordered in it. So you gotta, you gotta read okay, it to awesome. see what your perspective in there too. Yeah. Yes. And I just started listening to the podcast, um, the, her, Eve Rotsky's new time podcast. Out. I think it's time out. Yes. Which has yeah. been really, really, you know, kind of like mind blowing a little bit. So I'm interested yeah. to get through more of it. So can you share with us? This is um, also one of my favorite things to ask about a moment of parenting success where you just felt like you were on your game. Oh man. Okay. So, I mean, I'm a really big fan of being a good enough parent. So my successes Love are not always like the most crazy, uh, exciting thing, but I think the biggest one for me has been um, really pushing my older daughter to go outside of her own comfort zone uh, and to try new things and to kind of work with her to get over the anxiety of like being in new spaces. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us are dealing with this, you know, with the pandemic and kind of the isolation. And so, you know, helping kind of introduce her back into a true sense of normal and, and getting her to get excited about things. So she's super into gymnastics now and of course was kicking and screaming the whole way there and didn't want to do it and didn't want to go and all the things. And now she is loving it and looks forward to it every week. So I think things like that of just knowing when to push your kids and feeling like, oh, I, I did do the right thing. And, you know, I have that kind of gut yeah. instinct was a big success for me and felt really good. Love that. What does self-care look like for you? So I, you know, self-care gets a little bit of a bad rap, I think. I think yeah. the thing is, is that self-care has to be about what works for you. And I am a big Peloton person. I love spin. I've always loved spin, even prior to the pandemic, but it did push me into the virtual world. So I definitely look at kind of moving my body as my biggest thing for self-care of just making sure that I'm doing that every day so that I can get some of that anxiety out. But the other one is really just about yeah. being open with my 
husband about kind of what's going on because as much as I parent out loud and talk about this in the work world, I find myself, especially when it comes to like my own anxieties and mental health, that I get pretty closed off because I want to still be that person that seems like I have it all together. So I think being really open with him um, and, and having those conversations regularly about what's going on both externally but internally in my own head is really important. Um, to my own mental health too and self-care. Awesome. Your shameless plug, where can we support you? Where can people find you? Yes, you can find me at work360, WRK360.com. We're launching a new working parents community that you can come check out in Q2. Uh, We also can can find me at work360 underscore official on Instagram and Mary Beth underscore work 360 on Twitter, I think. Um, and all the things, LinkedIn, definitely too, Mary Beth Ferrante. Awesome. We'll include all of that in the show notes, um, but I always want to make sure that we're touching, we're hitting all of the bases. Awesome. Love it. Mary Beth, thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. Oh, so are you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mother Honestly podcast, a production of the Motor City Woman. Before you go, the Mother Honestly membership is open. We offer programs and toolkits that support you on the home front and work front. Corporate memberships are also available for employers looking to provide real solutions to employees at home and at work. Our Mother Honestly team are Robin Kinney, Audrey Goodson Kingo, Christine All, Oluchi Obonaya, Fumbi Showande and more. Follow us on social media at Mother Honestly. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your reviews are important to us. Leave us a review and share with a friend. Come back next week as we level up with Indeed.